right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. This is the only show dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and non-technical aspects of investment banking. My name is Alex Mason, and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me. We're talking about investment banking here, just everything related to it, especially the technicals as we go through these first few hundred episodes and we just really trying to dig deep into these concepts one by one because this knowledge it layers and compounds over time it's one of the beautiful things about going into an industry that's knowledge-based as opposed to say physical labor-based is your efforts can compound over time like warren buffett for example is in his 90s right charlie munger is in his 90s these are people who have been able to compound their knowledge over time and benefit from it. Whereas, for example, I used to work in a construction job at one point in time in my life, and that was really hard. And I was pretty young and physically able to do it, so it was fine, but I could not imagine doing that in my 40s, 50s, or beyond because it just doesn't compound the same way that knowledge does. So a little aside there, but isn't it so amazing to be studying in a field where you're learning things day by day and you're able to express that knowledge in unique ways in order to help people, in order to help companies be bought, be sold, raise capital? I mean, that's fascinating, isn't it? So that's why we're here is learning investment banking concepts. Today, we're going through some more advanced valuation questions, and we just kind of kicked off this little series yesterday when we talked about uh, how financial institutions are valued differently than other companies. That was an interesting discussion. But now I want to talk to you about valuation for something a little bit different, something related to IPOs specifically. So today's question is this, walk me through an IPO valuation for a company about to go public. Walk me through an IPO valuation for a company about to go public. Now this is interesting, right? Because when a company goes public, it's different than when it's bought by an acquirer per se. Because when a company goes public, you're essentially fractionalizing the ownership of the business to the masses, to institutions, to the general public. They become the shareholders along with you. Whereas if you have a business that's being sold to a specific buyer, say a financial sponsor, private equity firm, or to a strategic buyer, just a normal company, that's a little bit different. You then become this wholly owned company under that company's umbrella. So this fractionalized ownership system is different because you can infuse a company with capital without necessarily relinquishing control of the firm itself. And it's, it's an amazing invention in capitalism. But let's go ahead and talk about valuation specifically for a company set to IPO. How would we approach this? Well, remember our three major valuation methodologies. We have comparable companies, precedent transactions, and discounted cash flow analysis, as you know very well at this point in the show. Now, the first thing to note here is that since we're looking at valuation of a company about to go public, we want to use public comparables. And this is useful because it'll be more of an apples to apples comparison in this case 
compared to trying to use other methods like precedent transactions or discounted cash flow analysis, it wouldn't be quite as um, analogous because we're literally focused on a company going public. So we want to use public comparables. Okay, so that makes sense. That's kind of our first step. The second step is we want to think about the multiples. Remember when we're looking at comparable companies in general, it's useful to look at valuation multiples of those comparables, come up with a median value, come up with a range for the data set that you're looking at. And that can give you an idea of what the market is valuing similar types of companies at at this point in time. So for example, we might use something like an enterprise value to EBITDA ratio, and then we could take the EBITDA of the company that we're taking public and say, okay, this company has an EBITDA of a certain amount, multiply it by the median multiple value that we're seeing in the marketplace right now, and then that can get us an enterprise value. Just multiply EBITDA by the multiple, gets us an enterprise value. Now, this is useful information. It's useful to know what we think the enterprise value of the firm would be. But what if we want to take it a step further? What if we want to know what the stock price should be trading at once this IPO takes place? I mean, that's that's important, right? As bankers, we're going to need to shop this IPO around to different investors. And we want to be able to tell them, yeah, we're IPOing at this price because we think the firm is worth that much. Well, how do we get there? How do we bridge the gap between enterprise value and the stock price? Well, the thing that we can do to bridge this gap is we can look at the equity value. Remember, enterprise value is the value of the entire firm to both equity holders and debt holders. But in an IPO, we're just selling equity. So we're not really thinking as much about the debt holders in this case. So we have to rearrange some things. Now recall that equity value is part of the enterprise value formula. Remember enterprise value formula? We've talked about it a number of times. Enterprise value, the, the easier equation I should say, is debt plus equity value plus preferred stock plus non-controlling interest minus cash. That's the formula. And we can simply rearrange this formula to solve for equity value instead of enterprise value. Because now we have an estimate for enterprise value for the firm, so we can plug that in. We can understand what the debt levels are, what the cash levels are, preferred stock and non-controlling interest, and we can solve for what the equity value is. Pretty straightforward, right? Now that we have this rough value of equity for the firm, we can take it yet another step further because we want to understand the true equity value in the case of an IPO. And what I mean by this is we first have to understand what an IPO is doing financially to the company. When a company has an initial public offering, it creates shares in the market and sells them in exchange for cash from investors. And so companies getting this huge infusion of cash in the IPO process, which is really why it, it does it in the first place, is to get this money to expand, to grow, to use for general corporate purposes. Now, when we have this cash, we've got to remove it from the enterprise value calculation because that's not really part of equity value per se. Like it's just it's happens because of the transaction itself. 
that doesn't necessarily denote the value of the, of the business itself. So we'll subtract this cash from the IPO in order to get the true equity value of the company. Now, the final step is we take this equity value, divide it by the total number of shares. And remember, we created some new shares in the process of the initial public offering. So we account for those two, the new shares plus the old shares is the total number of shares. Divide equity value by the number of shares, and that gets you a price per share or the expected stock price upon IPO. And that's how we get there. That's how we walk our way through from enterprise value, from the comparables, all the way down to what the stock price should be. And that's how you would look at valuation for an, a company that's about to go public. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a cool situation. And the calculations, I, I think, are relatively straightforward. It makes sense. But we're essentially just fractionalizing ownership of this company and then accounting for those proceeds being removed from the enterprise value so that we can calculate the true equity value per share of the company. So that's what I got for you today here on Investment Banking Insights. Here in Ithaca, New York, just, you know, just living, just <laughs> trying to make the most of uh, this wonderful time up here and getting to know people at Cornell MBA program. It's amazing. I love it. But um, yeah, hope you're having a great day yourself, doing amazing things, and I'll see you next time.